Hey, hey, welcome to the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Holzer, along with my good friend, Jimmy Huber. Uh, Jim, today, man, uh, we got a rock star on the show today. You know, she, yeah, you're, you're uh, excited. I know you're excited on this one. Hey, you know what? Not very many people shoot 49% from the three-point line in senior in college. And not very many people own the Division One scoring record for 17 years in a row at the Division One level for total points scored. So... Uh, and she's kind of like close to where you're from, Jimmy. Yeah, from Kansas, and she actually went to the college you went to. So that's kind of exciting for yourself, right, and your wife, huh? Hey, you know, anytime we can get a fellow Missouri State Bear on, who is now, she went from Boomer Bear to Boomer Sooner as she's coaching now at Oklahoma. So um, we're going to bring on our guest today, Jackie Stiles, to the show. Jackie, how are you today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's an honor to have you, and uh, we're excited to talk basketball, resiliency, and uh, how you become such a relentless force on the, on the field, or on the court, sorry, not the field. Um, so, you know, growing up in a small town, yeah, I grew up in a small town as well, I had like 850 people. I think your town was what, like 600, something like that? Yeah, 600 something, I think. <laughs> in the middle, like, right, we're talking like Dorothyville, like in the middle of Kansas, right? So, yes. <laughs> I mean, how does somebody from around a, a town of like 600 people go from go from there to being recognized by UConn, Kansas, and eventually, how did you pick a school like, like well, SMS at the time, but Missouri State, when you could have gone to like a UConn? Well, um, I was very fortunate to have a dad as a basketball coach, and you know, I would follow him to the gym. He coached the varsity boys, and he kind of showed me a fundamental, and I couldn't wait to show him that I could master it. And I just uh, fell in love with it. And I actually told my second-grade teacher I was going to play professional basketball one day, and that was before professional basketball for women even existed. But I just knew what my passion was at a really young age, and I was very fortunate to have incredible coaches along the way. But being from a small town, I'm like, you know, maybe I could – walk on somewhere and it just so happened I was playing in my first AU tournament and um, I had to drive four hours to Kansas City to be on this team because there just wasn't you know very many teams around or opportunities it's not like it is now you know where they have bitty basketball and stuff so um, and it about caused a divorce with my parents because my dad was taking me eight hours to practice every weekend but but it ended up working out because actually my first AU game, um, there happened to be an assistant coach killing time. She was there to watch the older girls, and it was an assistant coach from Missouri State. She leans over to my dad and says, who's that number five? And my dad's like, well, that's my daughter. And so then she ended up um, just waiting around say, hey, we would love to have you come to camp. And this was right after they made the first Final Four. Um, so I started going to camp there every summer. But um, this is a true story. I hate to admit it. I narrowed it to three schools. It was Missouri State, UConn, and Kansas State, and actually, and Oklahoma, actually. They were my fourth. And, uh, you know, I was struggling with the decision so much. I saw this advertisement for a psychic hotline, and it was like, you get so many free minutes. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call them. I'm struggling so much. I call a psychic, and I say, hey, I'm trying to decide where to play college basketball. I can't decide. And She's like, well, personally, I'm a Tennessee Lady Vols fan. Since you don't have them, I guess I would say UConn. So needless to say, calling the psychic really didn't help. But um, (laughs) I I actually, you know, what made the decision so hard was all the pressure from the outside. Everybody was like, why would you even consider turning down a UConn? But I just knew in my heart I was meant to be a bear. And 
I knew um, Coach Burnett would push me to be the best I could be on and off the floor. And finally, I was able to stand up to really everybody that was like disappointed when I ended up choosing Southwest Missouri State, but ended up being the best decision of my life. And I'm very proud to be a bear for sure. Hey, Jack, I want to go back to when you said you're a second grader and you had a vision of playing professional basketball. And at that time, there was no women's professional basketball at that time, right? No. So what, when you told a second grade teacher that, how did that second grade teacher respond back to you on that? She thought I was uh, crazy, you know, <laughs> absolutely crazy. Like, what? You want to play professional basketball? And I'll never forget, like, you remember, like, you had show and tell and stuff and, like, open house. And we had to sketch ourselves out of paper. And my parents knew right away which one was mine because I drew in my, like, my clothes, but I drew a basketball in my hand. Like, I just had this passion at a very, very young age. But, um, you know, I was very supported. I mean, I... I I was always kind of the underdog, you know, everybody thought like, no, you can't, um, you know, become an All-American playing at Missouri State. And then it was like, you can't be success successful at the um, WNBA level coming from, you know, a mid-major program. I was always kind of the underdog. Um, and I think that, you know, fueled me to, um, you know, work that much harder. So how do, how do you, okay, so being the underdog, because like, think about it, a second grader saying, I want to play professional basketball. Teacher's like, you're crazy. Yeah. You're not playing professional basketball, right? You talk about you want to be an All-American. You want to be this. And people are like, you can't do that. So, so much has to do with the mind. But how, how did you go from, a lot of people, the underdogs will quit on themselves, will give up because they'll listen to other people and they'll believe what they say. How did you stay strong to believe in what you believed in, not listen to other people and go after what it is that you truly wanted to make it happen? Well, um, one of the biggest keys, um, and I just believe in it so much, is, having a strong work, work ethic. And I learned that from my parents, um, that work ethic and that drive. Um, I get asked all the time, what's the number one key to my success? And I would definitely hands down say work ethic because I believe it can make you successful in any area. Like now I'm in coaching. I haven't coached a lot of very many years, but I know I will work hard enough. I can count on my work ethic to make me be successful, even though, you know, I haven't been doing it very long, but I, I have that foundation that I'll work hard enough. But you know, I think it was one, I'm such a competitor. I hate losing. And two, honestly, um, my sister passed away when I was 12 and I, I vowed to dedicate all my accomplishments um, to honor her. And I think that, you know, playing for a, a reason bigger than myself also contributed to that. But, you know, I had a great foundation. I learned a work ethic from my parents. I was extremely competitive and I always was like, you know what? I don't want to take a day off because I know somebody else will maybe take a day off, you know, but our strengths are our weaknesses. And sometimes my drive might have ended, cut my career short. Um, it's kind of finding that balance. But, you know, two things, believing in yourself and, um, you know, working hard and that can take you a long ways. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I read a story that you shot it. You made a thousand shots a day, regardless of the weather. Like, did you have an outside hoop? Like, was it I mean, what kind of uh, what what sites you up to get outside? Maybe there was snowing outside or raining to just go out there. Like, how did you build that that work ethic over time? Because it just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, um, and that actually the thousand makes a day happened after um, an adversity in my career. So it was my sophomore season, and third game of the season, I go up for a reverse layup and I break my right wrist, and uh, you know I'm devastated. I'd never missed a practice a game, so I sit out four weeks. In those four weeks, I trained myself how to play left-handed because the doctor is going to let me play left-handed. 
And uh, so I ended up uh, playing left hand four weeks, get the cast off. You know, my arm's pretty weak, so I my shot's a little inconsistent. And I end up um, having the worst performance of my career after I came back off that injury. Um, we're in the semis of the state tournament, and um, we're if we win this game, we'll play for the state championship. And I had the worst performance of my career. I mean, I was like four for 21 from the field. Our team only lost by a couple points, and I was just devastated and disappointed. And I, I said to myself, you know what? I want to be even better than before this injury. And that's when I vowed to make a thousand shots every single day. Cause I, I didn't want to feel that disappointment, you know, that I felt in the state tournament and I wanted to be better, but then before that injury. So, you know, I think anytime you're trying to accomplish something great, it's not, if you face adversity, it's when, and it's how you handle those tough times. So go, go to this. You talk about the adversity and I won't even go back to when you talked about, you lost your sister when you're 12 years old. You know, Jason lost his dad when, you know, he was in high school um, and then going through the adversity of, of getting injured, my, maybe not being able to play. How, how do you recommend people get through the challenging times, the adversity they go through to stay strong through it? You know, I think we all in our stories face tough times and adversity. And I think you know, the really the only choice you have is to find the positive out of that and turn it into a positive because really – you know, what else are you going to do? And I, I just think, yes, it's, you can always find a gift in every adversity. And, and when you're going through it, it seems really hard. And, um, but if you can just find that reason and, you know, when you get on the other side of that adversity, it's amazing how much you grow and how much stronger you are because you went through something like that. Like I would not be the person I am today if it wasn't for all the tough times in my life. When I look back, those toughest times made me better. And, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for it. Yeah, I think that's where it comes back to. Like I said, and you can relate it to sports. Um, you're going to go through adversity. It's going to hit you. Uh, right. It's not always going to work out the way you expect. And I'm sure like even your journey, people see you being this incredible score, being someone that's played uh, in NCAA that played in the WNBA. But you had to go through adversity to get to where you're at. For sure. A lot of tough times. And, you know, it would have been so easy, um, you know, to quit at any one of those. But um, you just got to remember why you're doing it, what you're trying to achieve and continue to believe in yourself and work through those challenging times. And it's amazing when you get on the other side of it. It's actually some of those adversities are the biggest blessings in your life. Are there strategies you use the, to get to where you did not quit? that you can suggest other people to maybe implement in their own life where they don't quit on themselves? You know, I think the biggest thing is always turning back to your why. Why did you start doing it in the first place? Um, you know, going back to what you love and, uh, you know, just just continuing to work hard, um, you know, win the day. Like, you know, sometimes you can look too far ahead and just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to do the very best I can do today. I'm going to win today. I'm going to win this hour. I'm going to win the next hour. And just focus on what you can control in that day. I think, you know, focusing on the controllables helps a ton, um, relieve a lot of stress. And, you know, my faith also, um, turning to my faith has helped me through a lot of tough times. But, you know, I would say those are, are the biggest things that, that you can do. And, and like as far as an athlete, um, some of the times is when I struggled, like maybe with my shooting, I would always do kind of mantras in my head. Um, you know, I would say in my head, you're the best player on the court. No one could stop you. You're going to do it, whatever it takes to win the game. Things like that also 
gave me confidence on the court when I was going through like shooting slumps and stuff like that. So let, let's go to this. Now, just as a big moment for the Holzer family, for Jason and Mary, in 2001, playing Duke in a Sweet 16, scoring 41 points, 41 points, right? Yes, I guess. So, so what what is going through your mind to get you to they talk about being in a peak state, state management, being in the zone? What was going through your mind and what did you do to get you to play in that zone to score like 41 points in a Sweet 16 game? Well, um, I, you know, I think the biggest thing was my competitive fire. I absolutely love being a Bear. It's my senior year. I don't want my career to end. And I, I told my high school uh, coach that I was going to play in a Final Four at Missouri State. I truly believed it with all my heart. And he said, I bet you $1,000 you won't uh, play in Final Four at Missouri State. So needless to say, I'm $1,000 richer. But, um, and I am so sorry that I hope you guys do not hear my dryer in the background. But, you know, that's Zoom, okay? You're good. So, it's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. Those are the beeps in the background, everyone. So anyway, um, but basically, um, you know, I just believed we could do it. And I didn't want my career to end. And I, like, I entered that game thinking, you know what? I'm holding nothing back. I'm going for it with everything I have, and I'm just going to do whatever it takes to help this team win. And, uh, you know, it was amazing. That team, uh, we were able to beat so many more talented teams because of the way we played together and played for each other. Um, and it was it's some special memories from that run for sure. So did you do a lot of visualization? Like, would you visualize? Like you're saying, we're going to win a national champ. We're going to play in the Final Four at Missouri State. I mean, did you visualize that stuff? Did you cut out stuff and see yourself like in the NCAA court? What did you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, did visual visualization before every game, um, you know, just in general. But I'll never forget. I, I actually kind of forgot that I said this and I was talking to our, our radio guy. But um, we thought we were going to get to host going into that my senior year at the NCAA tournament because the top 16 teams got to host and we had such a great attendance. Well, so we have this big watch party we think we're hosting. And we not only did not get to host, but we get sent to New Jersey. And here, you know, our fans travel, but man, to go to New Jersey. And uh, I, had, I we were all crying because we thought we'd still get to play. And at the time, it was Hammond Student Center. And I addressed the crowd and I said, this will not be the last time we play in the state of Missouri because the Final Four was in St. Louis. So I just we just had that belief that we were going to do it. And we felt like we were a team of destiny because uh, our locker room code was all of our numbers added together. And it was 314 and it was the area code of St. Louis. So anyway, we just, uh, you know, we just had this strong, strong belief in, in what we were trying to achieve. Um, we played for each other. And yes, as an, as an individual, I would always visualize those things, see myself playing in final four. Now my one thing that I beat myself up over is, why didn't I say I'll, I'll win a national championship? Why did I say Final Four, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and I still, to this day, cannot watch that game where we lost in the Final Four. It hurts so bad. Um, it was a memorable run, but still still hurts as a competitor. Yeah, you know, that goes to show you, like, how powerful your words really are. And you And you, like you said, yeah, we got to the Final Four, but then you're like, what's that next level? So now that kind of taught you probably how to, like, well, go after what I really want, which was that national championship, like, how did, you know, as a leader of the team, you know, how did you get people to buy in to your mentality? Because, you know, there's not a lot of people that would maybe make a thousand shots a day or, you know, what did you do to encourage your teammates as you were getting the spotlight with what you were doing with from the stat standpoint? 
Well, um, I always just tried to model it. I wanted to be the hardest worker. And, you know, my, my motto kind of back then was if somebody walked in the gym and they didn't know who the All-American was, you know, we didn't have names on or uh, numbers on our jersey. I wanted them to instantly tell by how hard I practiced. Like I wanted to outwork every single person, you know, on the court, you know, in the country. Um, but whenever, you know, somebody walked in the gym, they didn't know. I wanted him to be able to tell by how hard I practiced. And so I think I always modeled it with my work ethic. I mean, and, you know, my coach uh, was very tough on me. And actually, you know, there was no, she was brilliant at getting us to all understand our roles and have no like jealousy. And, you know, like, yes, I had the glory position of scoring points, but I knew every single person on that team, no matter what job was just as important as me. And, you know, we all bought into our roles and Coach, Coach Burnett did an amazing job of getting us to believe it and buy into our roles. And there was no, you know, like jealousy, selfishness. We all were just playing for each other. It was very, very fortunate to be surrounded by such amazing coaches and amazing teammates. I mean, I share every single honor and every point I ever scored, I share with them because they made me look good, you know, all those, all those games, all those practices. So what, what did, when you talk about that, what did coach some of the strategies that she used to get it to where you're together as a team, because you know how it is sometimes coaching a star, a stud, uh, sometimes can be challenging because maybe you're not as hard on them. Uh, people think they get special treatment. So what are some of the strategies she did to make sure that you all bought into your roles? You believed as a team, you worked together and weren't jealous of each other. Yeah, she was the toughest on me than anyone. I mean, she was so extremely tough to the point where my teammates would rally around me because, you know, they almost felt sorry for me, you know, and, and that I, looking back was a strategy. She played with Lynette Woodard and it, it was coached in a way different way. And there was a lot of jealousy on that team. And I think she learned from that. And by the way she coached us, there was none of that. I mean, she was phenomenal. And I think that was one of the biggest things. Um, she had very high expectations. I mean, she was very, very hard on me and, you know, that made my teammates kind of um, rally around me. And uh, yeah, I, I would say that was her, her biggest strategy then I'm um, doing that. And then also just from a performance standpoint, you know, I like to have the ball in my hands, but she would put rules on myself. Like um, I couldn't score unless it was coming off of a pass. And, you know, of course, when I wasn't very mature, you know, I'm a freshman, sophomore, she'd say I could dribble until I could make the first pass. And then I had to score, you know, off the pass and not off the dribble. And so, you know, I would go dribble around and score before I made a pass. Not, you know, like being <laughs> a little butt now that I'm a coach. But now that I, you know, when I became a junior, senior, I realized she was getting all my teammates, um, one, to play, um, not just stand around and watch. And, you know, really teaching me movement away from the ball instead of, you know, just having it in my hands. And so she there was a lot of strategy that went into the four years, but phenomenal coach and wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for her. Would she talk to you about some of the strategies like being harder on you than anyone else and why she did those type of things? Or did she have conversations about that? Because I go back to like Popovich with the Spurs. With Tim Duncan, like he talked about, I'm going to be harder on you than other players because you're my best. And Tim Duncan wanted that. that. Was there a conversation that was had between the both of you about that? Yeah, um, really after my sophomore year, um, she really kind of sat down and, and talked with me and, and explained why she was doing what she was doing and everything. You know, this was obviously behind closed doors. But 
I wanted that. And, you know, that was one of the biggest reasons uh, Missouri State, because I knew she would push me to be the best I could be on and off the floor. And I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I wanted that. Like, I would always, everybody thought, like, my dad, like, locked me in the gym because I was very fortunate that my 1,000 makes a day, I had a gym. You know, I had keys to the gym because my dad's a coach. And I would, I wanted him to push me more. Um, you know, he would try to get me out of the gym at times. Hey, go hang out with your friends. Um, but I wanted somebody to really push me, and I knew Coach Burnett would do that. Did you have, uh, like, individually, you know, let's say it's off season that kind of thing, did you have other people working out, like trainers, or did you do it all on your own? Like, how did you continue to develop yourself even out of the season as well? Like, what did that look like? And then how did that translate from a trainer's perspective, like, with your, with your head coach? Were they on the same page on a lot of things as far as helping you develop? Well, that's crazy. I mean, we there was no such thing as basketball trainers back then, you know, like did not have that. And I was very fortunate in high school. I um, There were two twin guys that were my neighbors. They ended up playing college basketball. They're 6'2", 6'3". We would play hours of one-on-one and we would do shooting workouts together. And I'm a big, you know, advocate of playing one-on-one, playing pickup. Yes, you can do the drill work, but you have – Every time you are either working on your fundamentals or if you're playing, you need to train making decisions because that's what you do. And if you're just doing stationary ball handling, you're not having to make a decision. So I'm a big, big on making decisions when you work out. But um, I was very fortunate to have them um, to play one on one against uh, growing up. And then in college, um, I went from a thousand makes a day to more of a quality over quantity workout where it was all game speed type stuff. And then, like, Coach Burnett would get me through or get me ready for USA trials by um, having a couple of the men's players play me two versus one, trying to score against them. And, you know, but it was always um, usually playing against guys, um, doing my de- definitely doing my shooting, my fundamental base work, um, but then mixing that in with a lot of one on one and pickup. Do you feel like your decision making skills that you develop playing basketball? Have they translated in helping you make better decisions as a as an adult, as an individual in life in general? Have you seen like a correlation between those two kind of things? You know, I just think you learn so many life lessons um, through sports. And one of the you know biggest thing is my work ethic. You know, I just I learned how to work hard to achieve something and to overcoming adversity. And I think you can carry those all aspects in your life. Like, you know, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with a real rare cancer. Um, and I, I think I was able to, you know, overcome and get through, not overcome. I'm still, I'm not cancer free, but, you know, to go through that challenging time because of what I had experienced in sports. So yes, you can learn so many lessons, but I, I want to just tell trainers out there, like when you're doing your workouts, really try to incorporate as much decision-making as you can, even if it's like, okay, um, where you're closing out, you're working on shooting and you're either closing out long or short and they have to read that. Just every kind of shooting drill, make it, you know, make them make some decisions because you can look great in a drill and make all these shots. But then when you're in a game situation and you have to make decisions when that shot's coming, a lot of times you're not as accurate because you're not training yourself to do that. Well, even like you said, Jackie, on the basketball side, it's um, you're kind of like, when you train, you're training game-like, right? Game-like situations. Right. And it's one thing, like you're talking about a block, you know, workout that you're doing some basic skills to work on a skill. But as you said, making it more random, 
where it's game like where every shot might be a different shot or it relates to the game because you're not going to shoot 10 shots of the same shot right in a game all the time so and i think the other thing you mentioned too is like for me when i grew up too we didn't have trainers and i'm not against trainers i do training myself at times but i feel like that too many individuals want a trainer to hold their hand and it's like oh i got to go to my trainer i got to work out only a couple times a week and when i work out i go to my trainer you tell me you can't do stuff on your own at home or in a gym this stuff is a rocket science so they they can show even i tell people go to a trainer and you can sit there and get a workout they can work with you give you the workout to do go do the workout on your own right and then you can always go back to the trainer to evaluate and see how you need to approve or adjust it's almost going to a doctor getting a checkup see how you can get a checkup see how you can advance your skills make it better but I see too many individuals like they're relying on a trainer to make them great. Do you see that today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just like kids just don't go out and play. They don't play pickup. They just only have trainers and do this drill work. So, um, and yeah, I think trainers are great. I did it at one point. Um, but like you said, you've got to be able to have that discipline to do, do it on your own. And, um, you know, not someone's not always going to be watching. If you're truly going to be great, you've got to train when no one's looking. And you got to build a dude on your own. But yeah, great advice and going to a trainer, getting, you know, the workout, um, having them show you how to work. And then you got to build a, you know, have the discipline to do it on your own. Um, you know, and how you talked about with decisions, like just for example, um, in coaching, like I'm defensive coordinator and, uh, you know, and, and you, you can do a typical shell drill. I think shell's great, but then they start playing the drill. So then what we do is we'll have, maybe four different um, types of shell and we all, you know, we'll have the scout team, I'll hold up one and maybe that's all on ball screens in the shell or I'll hold up two and that's all away from the ball screens and they don't know it's coming um, because you, again, you're just, you got to teach them how to be able to make decisions. Now, what are, did you say you're a defensive coordinator? Are you sure about that? Are you, wait a minute. They said you didn't play defense. What are you talking about? Man? You have all these points. But hey, I like you even more. That's what I'm talking about. You scored and you guarded. I love it. You're my type of player. Now, I do want to, I do want to go back to something that you talked about though. So when you're mentioning about like workouts in general, so let's go back to giving advice. If you're giving advice to, a, 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 say, someone that's trying to be great in the game of basketball and they're working out on their own, what would you tell them? Would it be like do so many workouts a week? How much time should they spend? What should they work on? Um, what advice would you give them on that? If they had no one, they're playing one-on-one, two-on-two or three-on-three, and they're on their own, what, what would you tell them to do? Well, um, my coaching philosophy is – dominate simple that is what you know i just think um complexity is the enemy of execution you have to practice the things that you do over and over and over repetition 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 yes we all want to practice that um you know step back fade away you know amazing shot but realistically even kobe like or jordan how many times did they take that shot it was the three or the pull-up jumper. So whatever it is you do a lot, practice it over and over. So you're a point guard, you need to have great, you know, ball handling skills, practice that, Um, you know, practice your passing, but do what you do 
and and get a ton of reps and just do it over and over. And yeah, it's not it's not exciting. It's not you know 50 cones on the court doing all these crazy ball handling drills. It's literally practicing what you do over and over. You know, the other thing is this: I tell kids all the time too, especially when a lot of times are in high school and college. I'm like, what shots you get in games? Like, what offense is your your coach run? They run a ball screen type offense. Is it a motion? You come down, pin down screens. You guys run a flex offense where it's screen to screener action. Like replicate those shots in your workouts. Cause as you know, Jackie, those are the shots you're going to get in games. So you're not doing a workout where you're shooting a bunch of shots. Which you're not going to implement in a game. And when you do that more in your workouts, now when the game time comes, it's like you've been there. Yes. No, that's great advice. And that's what I would definitely tell kids. Like, hey, how do you score in your offense? Then you practice that over and over. And then, you know, maybe you want to add a move to your game. And, you know, I would always, you know, master it. Let's say, like, I want to do a step back hesitation, you know, or something like that. Well, okay, I'm going to practice that make in block practice, block training, get it mastered. And then, you know, maybe, like, if I'm playing pickup, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to do a step back hesitation with defense. You know, just, yes, you can incorporate new things, but really practice what you do you know, 99.9% of the time, over and over and over, repetition. That's good stuff, Jackie. Uh, so now we're going to go, like, transition into the segment where we call it the four cues with 40 athletes. So these are basically four questions that we have for our guests that kind of give us some insight on some things that they've learned through sports. Um, and the first one is this, like, what is the best life lesson? And you may have mentioned this earlier, but what's the best life lesson sports has taught you? Uh, you know, definitely um, developing a strong work ethic. I, I think that can, you know, take you anywhere. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a growth mindset person. I believe you can train yourself to be great in anything if you're willing to work at it and you believe in yourself. So I would say that's number one. And then just we're all going to face and find positive first you get. Um, and yeah, you're still there. Um, second question would be is if you could spend anyone you admire in sports, you know, alive or passed away, who would it be and why? And just his mindset and kind of um, his background, I really see my as good as no way but like play the game which i know is crazy I, I was definitely not the best to ever play the game but that was what my internal goal was and that's why i was like okay i can't take a day off somebody else might be working you know that was kind of my thinking and you know in reading all of his stuff it was very similar we also um had similar injuries that ended our career just a lot of similarities, so I would love to have met him. And then my ultimate hero, um, which I'm repping the Jordan right here on my shirt, uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan. I, I, I mean, there'll never be another uh, Michael Jordan to me, so um, I would love to meet him as well. And it, who it was, was the first person you said again? Pistol Pete Maravich. Pistol Pete, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, Pistol Pete. That's amazing stories. You're kind of breaking up. You did that, but thinking about what he did at the time he did it Am I is unbelievable. You're, yeah, you were a little now. bit. Yeah. 
Can you hear us, Jackie? Yeah, you got an in. What's um, that? It was in and out. So yeah, now I can, I think. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you now, so, but it's been in and out. Yeah, I was saying Pistol Pete, though, yeah, it's amazing what he was able to do with the ball in his hands. I mean, it's just like he was uh, before his time. I mean, with what he did, it was amazing. Number three question you is this, Jackie. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Number, number, <laughs> three, number three question is this. What is the best advice you received from a coach you have worked with or played for? Okay. So before I got into coaching, um, college coaching, um, a coach told me, you know, because obviously it's 24-7 in this life. Um, and she said, do one thing for yourself every day. And so for me, that's working out. If I get a good workout in, I can handle anything that comes my way. So if I have to work out at three in the morning to get it in, I will do it. So that that's kind of the one thing I have to do. And then the other thing would be, um, you know, just I've learned so much from Coach Cole, my boss now. Um, and that is, you know, whenever you're doing workouts, whether it's individual or, um, you know, team workouts, again, training that decision making piece. I, I just think that's huge in individual development. So those are two of the things that kind of come to my mind off the top of my head. Like it. And number four is what's the one character trait or life skill that would you would want in an athlete, your coach? And if you could select one, what would it be? Well, can I kind of like make a, up a word where I combine two, but competitive? You can, you can do whatever you want, Jackie. Sure, Jackie. Because, so, I mean, I just, you have to have a competitor, a fierce competitor. And then, you know, that grit to persevere when things are hard and to be able to keep working and when you go through tough times. So competitive grit, I guess that, that's what I would look for yeah. um, in, in number one. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's so important. And then just good people, um, good integrity. Um, we care about, um, how you act off the court. You know, we, we want to love our jobs and we don't want to, um, coach discipline. So we hope we get, um, you know, good people, um, you know, to coach. Hey Jackie. So what I've admired about you throughout this is you've inspired me in the sense of, you know, visualizing again, what it is you want, but you're basically going to speak it, the spoken word, speak it in the truth. And you talked about you didn't speak the championship. You spoke the final four. So I got a challenge for you. Earlier, you said you're not cancer free. So I want <laughs> you to say you are cancer free and you see yourself as cancer free because I know what you've done when you've done that. You've done amazing things. And I see that happening for you, too. Well, thank you. OK, definitely. I'm walking around. I am I'm a big believer in the mantras. If we had time, I'd tell you a story that happened to me in the pros, but I know we don't have time, but no, um, we got time. I want to yeah, hear literally. it. I want to hear right. it. Give it to me. Oh, okay. Well, all right. <laughs> well, um, it was my second season, the WNBA, and I was so injured that, um, I basically couldn't even warm up for the games at this point. Um, I, I didn't know at the time, but I had a, um, a torn ligament in my right wrist, with my shooting hand. I had a torn rotator cuff and I had a partially torn, torn Achilles all needed <clears throat> surgery. So, um, you know, basically to make it through that season, I, they would, you know, put me on injured reserve and then reactivate me, but I couldn't practice. So hurt. And that, you know, a lot of times would be a player's dream, just play games, don't practice, but it drove me crazy because I got my confidence through my work ethic and I couldn't stand not being able to practice. So it's, 
the second to last game of the season. I hadn't played a good game all year my second season. I lost my starting spot. And here we are. If we win this game, we'll play. We'll make the playoffs. And I thought to myself, I did not stick this whole season out for nothing. So I get up the day of the game, and I just rehearse in my head, you are the best player on that court. No one can stop you. You're going to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, every spare second, rehearsing in my head, rehearsing in my head. And so, like I said, I couldn't even go out there and warm up because if I shot too many shots, I couldn't get the ball to the rim. My shoulder would die. So, uh, sure enough, I get in the game. I hit my first three. I hit my next three. I had the best game of my WNBA career. And that taught me the power of mental, um, just believing in yourself. And, like, I literally played like I was not injured. And I was so injured. Like I said, like, I was so beat up. But it really taught me a valuable lesson in, in believing in yourself and what your mind can think and convince your body to do. So That's awesome. Thanks yeah, for sharing that. That's that competitive grit you're talking about. We had to put that on a T-shirt with Jackie Styles on it. So yeah, I woke uh, up. I woke up today, Jason. My back was a little sore. My back was a little sore, and I felt like I couldn't do much today. But after being on with Jackie, no excuses. I'm going. I'm getting done. What I got to get done? I don't care. I'm gonna get a workout in. I don't care if it's two a.m. in the morning. I don't care if my wrists hurt me a little bit. I'm getting it in. I'm about ready to run through this door right now. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Jackie, let me know when you have that team at your head coach and you need me. Come come recruit me. I'm ready to play. I've got a practice squad. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I've just enjoyed so much. Thank you well, for everything. Thank, so. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Jackie, how can how can people reach you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, what are some of the best ways to to be in contact with some of the work that you're doing? Well, I'm not much of a social media person. I know that's like foreign in this world. Like I have to force myself to get on it. But um, anybody that has any questions can um, email me. Um, I'd be happy to respond because I know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for so many people that helped me. And I'm now about giving back and helping others um, in the second act of my career. So um, it's styles, S-T-I-L-E-S dot Jackie at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions or help in any way I can. Hey, Jackie, by the way, I'm not a very social media guy myself, and Jason gets on me about that. I'm old school. And by the way, again, if you have some high-level player, six foot six, can dunk it, girl basketball player, the average 42 points a game, email Jackie Styles and let her know. Who is also a great girl off the court as well. Hey, hey, I love it that you don't love social media. Hey, you got to watch the social dilemma on Netflix. It'll change social your life. dilemma. I need to. Yeah, I'm telling no, you, man. Jason, I, needs to, Jason needs to. Oh, I need to watch that. Okay. And then he won't touch his social media ever. Well, I need, I need him to say, I need him to stay on social media so he can promote 40 athletes. And then he tells no, me kind more. of what to do. So help, help him out on that. Hey, the world needs positive content. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Jackie, you should watch the playbook on Netflix, by the way, while we're recommending shows here. Okay, that's that is really good, good, by the way. Yeah, that is what? good. The playbook. What was the show? It broke out. What was the show? It's called The Playbook on it on Netflix. Oh, you definitely use it. Very good. Yes, I yeah. watched it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, well, see, I mean, you're already ahead of us on that. No, there are some good things that come out from social media, but you know, just oh, careful. Um, especially yeah. the young generation, for sure.
So. Definitely. Well, Jackie, thanks again for being on the show, and we will definitely be in touch soon. Oh, I hope so. I, I've enjoyed this hour so much. So thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Well, thanks best of luck this season. Yep. All right. Bye. Take care. All right. Have a if you're looking to transform your athletes, teams, or organizations by teaching essential life skills through sports, like us on Facebook at 40 Athletes and subscribe to our 40 Athletes YouTube channel. Also, be sure to check out our website at 40athletes.com. There you can enroll in our 24-week online course, schedule a discovery call, and see how this can make sense for your organization. For less than a dollar a day per athlete, the 40 Athletes program can help you develop better players by helping them become better people. Thanks, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week on the 40 Athletes Live podcast.